This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Russia downs a U.S. drone in international waters. And rescuing civilians in the city of Bakhmut while the bombs fall. I'm Greg Dixon, and this is the State of Ukraine from NPR News. An American drone crashed in the Black Sea after a confrontation with Russian fighter jets. The U.S. military says a Russian jet harassed and then collided with the U.S. drone. The Russians say something very different happened. Juana Summers talked to NPR national security correspondent Greg Myrie about the incident. The U.S. military says two Russian fighter jets carried out a, quote, reckless intercept of an American MQ-9 drone. Uh, The U.S. says the drone was on a routine reconnaissance mission in international waters over the Black Sea, which is off the southern coast of Ukraine. Now, the Russian jets initially flew just in front of the much slower American drone. They did this several times, even dumped fuel on it. And so after about 30 minutes or so of this harassing behavior, one of the Russian jets actually hit the propeller of the drone. Here's uh, the Pentagon spokesman, Brigadier General Pat Ryder. Intercepts of aircraft are not uncommon in and of themselves. Uh, Just wanting to see what's there, right? In this particular case, they collided with the aircraft, damaging the propeller uh, and essentially uh, putting in a situation where it was unflyable and uncontrollable. So we brought it down. Okay, so that's the U.S. view, but the Russians, what are they saying? Yeah, very different version. Russia's defense ministry said its radar picked up what it called a lethal MQ-9 drone heading toward Russia's border. Russia scrambled some jets in order to further identify the aircraft, which they said was flying with its transponders off, making it hard to identify it. Now, the Russians claimed the drone made a sharp maneuver on its own and crashed into the water. They also say the Russian jets did not make make any contact with the drone or fire any weapons at it. I know it's early still, but at at this point, are we seeing any sort of U.S. diplomatic response to this? Well, we know President Biden was briefed by his national security advisors. Uh, John Kirby, spokesman for the National Security Council, again stressed it's fairly common for Russian planes to intercept all these U.S. aircraft that are flying regularly in the Black Sea. But he said it was very unusual in, in the unsafe and reckless manner that this was carried out. Now, here in Washington, the U.S. State Department has summoned the Russian ambassador to voice U.S. objections. And in Moscow, the U.S. ambassador has voiced those similar U.S. objections with the foreign ministry. So, Greg, big picture here. Do you think that this is likely to lead to increased tensions or perhaps even some sort of confrontation between the United States and Russia? Well, relations, it seems, could hardly get worse, so this probably will make them a little worse. Now, President Biden has been very, very clear on this. He says the U.S. will support Ukraine as it fights Russia, but he says the U.S. will not get directly involved in a military confrontation with Russia. So we should expect tough words to be exchanged. Uh, The U.S. will keep assisting Ukraine. Uh, The Pentagon says it will continue with these flights, which are almost a constant presence in the Black Sea and in neighboring countries, but not over Ukrainian airspace. But given Biden's statements repeatedly, it seems like he'll seek to address this through diplomatic channels. NPR's Greg Myrie. Greg, thank you. My pleasure. The Ukrainian city of Bakhmut has been bombarded with artillery for months now. 
But despite the heavy fighting, some civilians remain, and volunteers brave the barrages to rescue them. NPR's Frank Langfitt brings us this profile of one volunteer named Kuba. Kuba Stasiak is running through the rubble-strewn streets of Bakhmut. A shell has just hit a local university. Bright orange flames pour from the first floor. Kuba records it all on his cell phone, which sits snugly in the front pocket of his flak jacket. He later uploads the video to Instagram. Hello? Hello? Kuba's worried someone may be trapped inside the university. Ukrainian soldiers, they're hiding in nearby buildings, yell to him that it's empty. Kuba continues through the city, searching for a woman who was asked to be evacuated. Lilia! Lilia! There's no cell service in Bakhmut. All Kuba can do is call her name. Shells fall every few seconds. Finally, Billy appears at her gate in a bright red coat. She's joined by a neighbor. Kuba calls fellow volunteers who arrive in a van, and they whisk Lilia out of the city to safety. Kuba is among dozens of volunteers who spent months evacuating people from Bakhmut in the country's Donbass region. About half the volunteers are Ukrainian. The rest come from abroad, including the United States, Britain, Sweden, even Russia. Kuba's from Poland. This morning, I'm riding in the back of his beat-up Lada, a rattle-trap Russian sedan that dates to the 1990s, as Kuba heads back to Bakhmut for another evacuation. We pass through the first of a series of military checkpoints. Basically a concrete bunker in the middle of the road and with tires on top, and there's a crane in the back that's building another, another pillbox. Kuba acknowledges that evacuating people is dangerous. In the last couple of weeks, we heard about a couple different volunteers that got killed. Uh, some of them we knew. There are so many casualties, so many dead people all around every single day in Bakhmut. But he says the work's rewards outweigh its risks. Kuba recalls rescuing an elderly woman from her frigid apartment. She was sleeping after like five seconds. She spotted my face. She started to cry. Everything is all right. Everything is all right, Kuba tells her. She took my hand. I got very emotional about it. She couldn't walk, so me and my friend took her to the car. And I had this impression that she really spent like months in her bed till this point. Like many volunteers here, Kuba is motivated by altruism as well as personal reasons. As for a young uh, boy, I was like always wondering what will be my reaction for the circumstances of the war. I wasn't so sure about it, and I just wanted to prove it to myself. And Kuba, who's 29, he's also ambitious. He used to work as a journalist in Poland, but editors were reluctant to send him to war. In the early days of this conflict, he watched other reporters begin to make a name for themselves. I witnessed many careers that were growing just because somebody decided to go uh, to Ukraine and to risk his life on a daily basis. My big heroes like, I don't know, Hemingway, Orwell, they decided to make make the decision for their own and uh, they were just making their big careers. Both men served as volunteers in war. The experience shaped both their writing and their reputations. Kuba plans to use his evacuation videos as raw material for a book. 
Kuba and other volunteers say they were also drawn to Ukraine because they were dissatisfied with their lives back home. In my teenage years, I spent six years with depression. I was basically just a vegetable on a computer. Andre West is a 22-year-old from Germany. He used to work putting armor on luxury cars. Andre has spent the last year evacuating people in the Donbass. I just want to do more with my life and just use it in a good way. Instead of being a vegetable, I can help people. That makes me happy. Andre says evacuations can be surprising and frustrating. He describes one rescue of an elderly woman. Everything was blowing up around us, and uh, shrapnel was flying into the apartment. So we had to lay flat on the ground in the apartment. Andre had parked his car far away because the shrapnel on the road would have shredded his tires. So I had to run uh, with this babushka all the way to the car. It was just 200 meters, but these 200 meters were just crazy. And yeah, at the place where I brought her, I got told that she has been evacuated eight times. Andre thinks the woman's family pressed for evacuation, but the lady never really wanted to leave. I was really, really mad that uh, I risked my life and spent so much time on this woman. Back in Bakhmut, Kuba has found his next evacuees, an elderly Russian couple, doctors. He records their meeting on his phone. They've been living in a basement for three months, but as they prepare to leave their home, probably forever, they're dressed in fur hats and elegant winter coats with fur-lined collars. They look as if they're heading to the opera. They moved here decades ago, when Ukraine was still part of the Soviet Union. The woman insists she doesn't blame Russia, their former homeland, for the war. You must understand we don't have anything against Russia. Russia has nothing to do with it. We don't want our names disclosed. Who do you hold responsible for the destruction of Bakhmut? I believe both sides. Some who remain in besieged cities here in the Donbass are partial to Russia. Some are just waiting for the Russian troops to arrive. After a night in a refugee center, the couple board a bus that will take them away to a new life. As we wait to see them off, Kuba says he hopes the couple learned something along the journey. We will go to Poland or Luxembourg, uh, whatever they choose. There will be no war whatsoever. They will see that like 99% of the population of Europe is just trying to help Ukraine. And maybe, just maybe, it will change, it will help to change the perspective. If it wants, I can do nothing about it. I'm just happy that they are, you know, made it alive. And with that, the bus heads out, taking the couple away from the war and towards Europe. Frank Langford, NPR News, Kramatorsk. Thanks for listening to the State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back to this feed for more on the war and its impacts around the world. This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet or a new single-barrel bourbon to try with some help from one of their friendly guides. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more.
Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. And NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.